Let's go ahead and, and jump into the message this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about sharing the message because um, this, this, is, this is one of those things that, um, it, it kind of sounds weird, but I don't know if you, if you have situations in your life where you kind of have noticed a pattern, spiritually speaking, and you kind of go, you know, but if, if I could just kind of figure this out, if I could just kind of understand this a little bit better, I really think it would help me grow and, and, and things like that. And, and what I want to share this morning is really something that I feel like God has kind of done a, a, a searchlight in my own heart and my own spirit and kind of said, hey, this is something that, that is really important that I want you to share for, with the people and share it, you know, and I want to share it with your heart because I think what we're going to be talking about today is going to really make an impact in so many of us as we kind of look at, at um, this particular topic. But over the last several weeks, we've been looking at our series called You're Invited. We've kind of been looking in Isaiah 55 and looking at uh, that portion of scripture and seeing some invitations that God has given us over the last several weeks. We've, we've kind of looked at this idea of the one word invitation that God gives us in Isaiah but of come and, and last week we kind of talked about this invitation to come and listen. Well, this morning we're going to look at a, a, a different one that I think is very important for us as we look at these things together. So if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 55, as we have over the last several weeks, we're going to read it together. So again, on your phone, wherever you have your Bible or on your, your on your lap or on the screen. This is what it says. It says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promise to David. Father, we love you and we do thank you for this time. God, as we now enter into your word, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, that your Holy Spirit would begin to just work in each and every one of us to understand and see what you have placed in our hearts and in our lives this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last several weeks, we've kind of looked at these ideas and these one-word invitations that God himself is, is inviting us through to through the prophet Isaiah thousands of years ago. And last the first week, we kind of talked about come and how God has invited us to come and experience relationship with him and, and, and to not be far away, but to come close to him and knowing that as we draw near, he'll draw near to us. And what an amazing invitation that is. Last week, we talked about the next invitation was this idea of listening, of how sometimes we, we, we may come, but we don't always listen. And our prayer life sometimes can become a, a life of, of kind of giving out the, the laundry list of needs, and that is a part of prayer. We, we do, God does invite us to come and bring our needs to him, but that also that we need to be willing to listen. And I gave you a challenge last week to spend some time listening to what God has to say, knowing that God wants to speak to all of us and share his heart with us. And here's the thing. A lot of times in scripture, before we move into 
into what we're going to be talking about this morning, there is progression. There's things that are kind of laid out by the Holy Spirit to the writers of our, of our scriptures, where they're kind of one that leads to another that leads to another. This morning, what we're going to be talking about is kind of a part of that transition or that progression that tends to take place in Scripture. Because if you look at this, what we're seeing here is first you see this idea of coming. You see this idea of God inviting you to come have relationship with Him for not God to be far away, but God to be near to us. And then once we have come near to Him, then the next thing that God does is He wants us to listen. We talked last week about how sometimes God does speak in that whisper. And that whisper is, is, is important because it draws us close to him. You know, right now, I, I'm not speaking in a whisper. You can be far away. And in fact, this is a weird way to put it. There are people online that are miles away from us right now, but yet they can hear my voice because it's amplified and it's being broadcasted out. Sometimes God will speak that way to us, but a lot of times he does it in that whisper. And so he draws us close to him. But here's the thing, the next progression of that is something a little bit more sometimes difficult for us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But we look at it and how God places it is kind of an interesting idea. And so we have to break it down. But here's the deal. This morning, the invitation that we're going to be looking at is you're invited by God to buy. You're invited by God to buy. Now, here's the deal. We need to understand the context of what's happening here in Isaiah. Typically, when we understand the context of buy, we think of some kind of a transaction. If you're going to go buy something, if I came to, to you and I said, hey, what, you said, what are you doing after service? Well, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy a gallon of milk. You understand that as kind of a transaction. You understand that I'm going to give something and I'm going to get something in return. When we look at Isaiah and we kind of go back and understand the context of Isaiah 55 and also Isaiah 54 and continuing on in Isaiah 55, the idea of buy here is a little bit different. When you go back to the original Hebrew, it's a little bit different of an idea. And so when you understand what this idea of buy really is, It'll help us understand a little bit more what God is inviting us to and how that progression is taking place. You see, when you look at the original understanding of what this idea is, the invitation to buy is an invitation to trust and have faith in him. It's almost like the idea of, you've heard this term before, we've used it before, I am going to buy in to something. That's what this is about. It's an invitation by God to a deep level of trust and a deep level of faith in him. See the progression? First we come, we, we, we understand who he is. He draws us into relationship. He saves us and brings us into salvation. Then he wants us to grow in an understanding of listening to him and having communion with him and having conversation with him. And now that we've understood the idea of coming and the idea of listening, now we have a choice to make. Are we going to buy? In some ways, are we going to buy what Jesus and what the Lord is selling by what he's telling us to do, how he's telling us to be, how he's telling us to live. Look here in Isaiah 55. We're going to break it down. Instead of doing one through three, we're going to look a little bit closer here. One and the first part of, two, uh, of verse two, it says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy and eat. Come eat buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? You see, this idea here is important because for some of us, we have this idea of I can come and I can listen, but we're never changed. 
We never allow God to do something deeper in our hearts. We come, we're a part of certain things, or we listen, or we hear certain things, but somehow, some way, it doesn't penetrate our hearts to the way that it actually changes who we are and who God is wanting us to be. This is in your notes, and I need you to get this. It's one thing to accept God's invitation to come. It is another thing to accept God's invitation to listen. But it is an entirely different thing to place our trust and our faith in Him. And here's the deal. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I know sometimes about my own life. I'll come. I'll listen. But I don't always put my faith and my trust in what I even know to be true. And I, here's the deal. I bet... If every one of us was honest, you'd go, Aaron, sometimes I deal with the same thing. I know what scripture says, maybe. I know, I've, I've had, I know God is faithful. I've seen him work in my life in these areas. But for whatever reason, there's certain places where it's just hard. I, 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 take, I, just take, I have a hard time getting from where I'm, I'm at, from listening to really trusting and obeying and having faith and buying those things. And here's the thing. I, I've termed this, I've termed this in my own life. You can use it because it's not been trademarked. But what I'm calling that is the struggle of being stuck in the middle. It's the struggle of being stuck in the middle. Now, I don't do this very often, but I have um, visual aids this morning. And, and, and I want to kind of show you what this looks like. Because again, I think there's a lot of us who, as this kind of gets explained to you, there's going to be some light bulbs that are going to go on. They're like, oh, that's me. I understand. So, so this is going to look like a five-year-old did it, but quite possibly a 45-year-old pastor did it, okay? So over here, I have a sign. It says, listen, listen. And over here, I have another sign has by. And here's what typically happens. Here's, here's, here's this idea of getting stuck in the middle. We come in and we have come to God. You know, we've been invited into his presence, into relationship with him, and we have accepted that invitation. And so that's great. That's awesome. It's one thing. It's important. But then God says, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear my word through, through the word of God, through, through what I speak to your heart, through others that, are, that, that share my word with you and all those sort of things. And so we'll, we'll, we're all about that a lot of times. And so here's typically what we'll do. We'll come in and we'll sit down in our listen chair. You guess, it's, it's kind of funny. Guess what you're doing right now? You're sitting in your listening chair. And so we'll sit here and God will begin to speak to our hearts. He'll say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He'll say, I'll meet every need according to my riches and glory. He says, I love you. You are my precious ones. You are my children. I love you. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Think about the birds. Think about the, the, the flowers in the field. I take care of them. How much more valuable are you than flowers and birds? And we'll sit there and we'll listen to all these things. But it's one thing to come. It's another thing to listen. It's another thing to move to the by chair. And typically what we do, especially Christians is we say, okay, I know and I have heard. For some of us, we've heard these things for years. God loves me. God has a plan for my life. All of these amazing promises. 
And so we will begin to get up and move to the by chair. In certain areas and certain things, man, it's as simple as going, whoop, plop. Yes, sir. I got it. I'm good. I'm buying into that particular thing. I'm buying into that promise. But there are certain things and certain areas that ends up basically, we kind of end up something like this. I'm stuck in the middle. I know what God has said. I know what God has promised. But I'm having a really hard time getting here. I, I, I'm kind of just, you know, and it will do this. We'll, we'll go, okay, I know, I know, okay, God God's said this and God said, but, but you know what? I need to come back here and listen a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more. When God says, no, no, it's time to stop being stuck. Let's move over here to some faith and to some trust. Because for some of us, we have heard the promises. We have seen the invitation. But for some of us, we do have a difficult time moving over to the by chair. But here's the deal. If all we do is stay in the listening chair, if all we do is stay here in the middle, we're going to miss some great things that God wants to do in us and through us when we actually sit down and trust and faith and buy into it all. There's a man in scripture that really shows this concept of being stuck in the middle. It was found in Gen- or, excuse me, Judges 6. Look at this story in Judges 6 with me. We're going to start with verse number 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now let me give you a little context here. At this point, the Israelites have been in the promised land, but they're not experiencing really the freedom that God wants for them because they've turned their backs on God. They've kind of tried to do things their own way. And they've called out to God, and now God has heard their prayers, and now he is going to speak to someone who is now listening to what God wants to do. So this is what he says. Pardon, Gideon responds to this. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. Now here's the deal. When you begin to ask those types of questions in your life, When you begin to say, where are the things that God promised us? You know what I usually have found? At least in my own life, I'm stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. God, why haven't you done these things? Why haven't you done the things you promised? You see, when you are bought in to the trust and the faith in God, even though the promises maybe haven't come yet, you don't speak like this. You don't speak, where are they? You speak, I know they're coming. I may not know when, I might not know how, but they're coming. Gideon's here in the middle. He's hearing these things, but he's here in the middle. Let's go on now with verse number 14. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength I have, uh, the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Once again, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon's stuck in the middle. Where this actually takes place is Gideon is actually threshing wheat down in a wine press. He's hiding from the Midianites. This is not what you would consider to be, I'm sorry, mighty warrior. 
which is what the title he is given. But I want you to look at this. I want you to listen to the promises, and I use that word on purpose, listen, to the promises that God tells Gideon in this scripture. Listen to these promises. He tells him the Lord will be with him. He says it a couple times, I will be with you. What an amazing promise that is. I'll be with you. Next, he was a mighty warrior. Listen, this isn't somebody, you know, being nice. This isn't somebody being like, hey, you know, I, hey, you know, mighty warrior. <clears throat> Hiding in a wine press. This is the Lord speaking. Listen, he gives him a title here. Mighty warrior. Next, he says he was sent by God with a specific purpose. He says, you're going to do this. I'll be with you. You go in the strength you have, and I will help you. And he tells him that. And finally, he says, you're going to have victory over the enemy. Now, I want you to stop for a second and think about what has just transpired in the life of Gideon. He has experienced a manifestation of the Lord. He doesn't understand that yet, but he will in just a minute. And God has spoken to him. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm, li li listen, listen, I, I want you to stop for a second. I want you to think for a second. If maybe, just maybe, God has spoken some promises over your life that are very similar to what God has spoken over Gideon's. He says to Gideon, I'll be with you. You know, I, I know scripture tells us that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Guess what? You got that promise too. Just like Gideon. Next, he calls him a mighty warrior. Now listen, Gideon in this moment is not a mighty warrior. He's hiding. But yet God looks at him and says, man, you are more with me. You are more than you are without me. You may be on your own hiding in a wine press, but when I come and I grab a hold of you and you allow me and you buy into what I want to do in your life, you got a new title that's Mighty Warrior. Not only that, but you got a better title even than Mighty Warrior. It's son or daughter of God. And we forget our title. We forget our identity. Next, he says, I'm going to send you with a specific purpose and a specific plan. God, every single one of us, you have a purpose that God has given you. Every single one of you, God wants to use you to do great and mighty things for him. And the final thing, he promises Gideon that we get the same thing. He says, you get victory over the enemy. I love the scripture that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, listen, we don't have victory over the enemy. Just like Gideon didn't have victory over the enemy with his own strength. But when we go in the power and the authority of God... We can have victory too. And so he heard the promises. You maybe have heard the promises because you and I have gotten the same ones. But you know what? He got stuck in the middle. Look at his response. You would have thought at this point, the response would have been, man, I have listened to all these promises. Man, I'm over here. I'm in the by chair. Let's go. But he does it. Listen to what he does. Genesis, or, he's saying Genesis. Judges 6, we're going to look at verse 17 through 21. Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait till you return. So Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from the ephra flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meal, uh, meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, 
he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of a staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Now, the next couple of verses basically have Gideon just losing his marbles. Because he's like, I've seen the Lord. He gets now who this is. Now, once again, in this moment, you would think that he would just, I'm headed to the vine chair. But he really doesn't. Yeah, he begins the process. Here's, here's typically what I find happens in our hearts and our lives. We hear that thing. God doesn't. We kind of get up here. We kind of move. And we've got to get in the by chair. But then when things begin to happen that we don't expect or things that we kind of are not in our plans, we kind of get out of the by chair. It's almost like we don't want to be made a fool of. or We don't want anybody to think that we bought in. And then we're let down. Listen, folks, trust me in this. God will never let you down. His promises are yes and amen. So he starts and he says, listen, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Help me get from here to here. And that's what we begin to see. That happens. But again, what we tend to see is Gideon gets up. And he begins to get in the middle again. Let's look again. Judges 6. We see it again. Judges 6, 36 through 38. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. Now stop for a second and think about what he just said here. Why isn't there just a period there? He's speaking to God. He's listened. How do we know? He's repeated what God said. Saving Israel by his hand. And then just to make sure everybody gets it, as you promised. He heard it. He listened. There's so many Christians that listen, that know Scripture. But just like Gideon, we get stuck in the middle. As you promised, look, I will place a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I will know that you, save, that you will save Israel by my hand as you said This isn't one of those, I wonder if Gideon really understands what the Lord is speaking to him. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. A bowl full of water. Now, that's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. We have to get this, folks. Gideon had heard and understood the promises of God. However, he was still stuck in the middle. After seeing God fire out of the rock, the whole nine yards, now he does the fleece thing. You would think he's totally bought in. He's totally sat down. This mighty warrior of God. Nope. Still stuck in the middle. Still back and forth. Maybe there was kind of like, ah, no, okay. God, if you're really, if you're really going to do it, uh, let's continue. Judges 6, 39 through 40. We've seen one sign. 
we've signed two signs. Guess what? Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Three signs. You would think that at some point in time, Gideon would have been able to get from here to here. But he struggled. And here's what's interesting. We're going to look at this in just a minute. Nowhere in this scripture do we see, you know, Judges 6, you know, 40, and God struck Gideon dead. And I'm thankful that he didn't. Because you know why? Because I had been next. Because there's a lot of times where I listen very well. But I still sometimes have trouble buying in. You go, Aaron, but, but you're, you're, you're this, you're that. No, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. It's why God invites us close. But yet God in his infinite love, his infinite mercy, his infinite goodness to us doesn't just go. You know why? You know, yeah, God loves us and all that stuff. That's true. Yes, I'm not belittling that at all. But God desperately wants to do everything he can to help you to get from here to here. Because he's a good dad. He's a good father. He knows the great things that happen for him and in our own lives when we sit in this chair. And not just sit in it, but stay in it. And he says, you know what? I'll lead you. I'll help you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be there to help you in that. Let me prove it to you. Let me show you here. Look at Judges 7. Now, I know... By Judges 7, okay, we have the, you know, the, the army has been dwindled down and all that sort of stuff. We're not focusing on that part of the story this morning, but I want you to look at this. So basically in this verse here, um, we're, we're having the Israelites are camped out. They're getting ready to attack. But you need to hear what the words say here. Don't gloss over them. This is important, okay? So look at it with me. Judges 7, second part of uh, verse 8 into verse 15. The Midian camp was in the valley just below Gideon. So he's gathered his army. There's 300. It's not a lot. Okay. And they're getting ready and they're, they're around the enemy. That night, the Lord said, okay, get up, go down into the Midian camp for I've given you victory over them. But look at verse 10. But once again, God, make sure you know his promises. Make sure Gideon knows. But if you are afraid to attack... Go down to the camp with your servant Parah and listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So let's stop there for a second. Who asked? Did Gideon ask for another sign? No. But what does he say? He says, God says, if you're afraid, if you haven't completely sat down in the by chair, Go down to the camp and I will show you. The fourth sign that we're going to see in a minute 
wasn't desired in a lot of ways by Gideon. God knew Gideon's heart. The fact that we're going to look here, so Gideon and Parah went down to the edge of the enemy camp would indicate something to us all. You know what that is? He was afraid. If he wasn't afraid, if he was completely down in the by chair, he said, no way, God, I'm good. I trust you. I got you. We're good. I don't need to go down to the camp. But God knew Gideon's heart. God knew that Gideon was still wavering here in the middle after all the signs, after all the things, after all the experiences that he has had, he was still in the middle. So you know what God says? I desire for you to trust me so much. I want you to have faith in me in total faith. I will provide a way for you to have even more. So you'll finally sit down in that chair. And God does the same with us. God loves us so much. God has a plan for us. He doesn't look at us and say, you know what, even though probably in a lot of ways, at least in my life, he has every reason to do so and give up on me, he doesn't. He doesn't. And he continues to say, I will help you. I will be there for you. And so that's what he does. He says, you go down. You go down and you just hear. You hear what's being said. So the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in Let's keep going there. That's okay. There you go. In the valley, like a swarm of locusts. I love scriptures. There's a lot of them. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling a companion about his dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. What a dream. You know, it's like maybe he had something weird to eat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over the Midianites and its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. If you don't know, Gideon goes, he attacks. The Lord has an unbelievable victory and he, every promise God says, God does. And you know, we finally see, we finally see Gideon sit down in the chair. And there's a great victory. Great things take place. Great things. God does amazing things when Gideon finally sits down in the chair. But hear me here. You know what's sad? And God will use whatever, thankfully. But in one way, I don't want to be like Gideon. There's kind of several ways I don't want to be like Gideon. But I don't want to be a person who puts more faith in a stranger's prayer, or excuse me, in a stranger's dream, than what God has spoken. And we tend to do that. Now, I'm glad he sat down, and God will use all things he can to get us to sit. But he finally get there. So the question then becomes, how do we overcome the struggle of being stuck in the middle. How do we get better at getting from listening to buying? And here's the deal. We're going to look at an obvious source, but maybe a surprising one. We're going to look at Jesus. Because listen, he is our example in all things. And you go, wait, 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 Jesus struggled? Jesus, Jesus dealt with temptation? Yep. 
He dealt with hard things. We know that Hebrews 4.15 is important to us because it should give us hope and remind us of this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect, not some respects, every respect, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So we can look to Jesus even in this. Now, I understand this a little different in Jesus' situation. I get that. But I still think we can learn and see how Jesus handled moments where Jesus knew, but Jesus still had to be willing to have total faith and total trust in his Father and sit down in this chair. One of the greatest examples of that that I can think of is found in Mark 14. Look at it with me. Mark 14, starting with verse number 32, getting to verse number 36. Then they all went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed. He's had the last supper with his disciples and now he's gone to the garden to pray. Jesus said, sit here while I go to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and he began deeply troubled and distressed. Listen, listen to what Jesus is going through right now. Remember, all God, all man. He's troubled, he's distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is experiencing some very, very, very difficult moments. We see in other gospel accounts that Jesus, as he prays, he literally sweats drops of blood. Do you know that doctors have actually proven that that is possible when you are under that much stress that you can literally do that? Jesus is is going through that emotion. He's dealing with the thoughts of of being separated from his father and and literally taking on sin. See, Jesus completely got what he was getting ready to do. This was not a surprise. This was not like, oh, I didn't. He knew what his mission was. And so he is sitting in this moment going through those things. Listen, listen, What's so beautiful about this is when you are in that place, and we all go through those things sometimes. I love that Jesus can say, I know exactly how you feel. When you feel rejected and alone, when you're broken and hurting, when your soul is at the anguish almost to the point of death, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. Who knows? Who knows? No matter what you face, no matter what temptation you go through, Jesus has faced it. He's been through there. Look at verse 35. He went a little farther, fell to the ground. He prayed that. Now listen to this prayer. We've heard this before. I know that, but listen to what is being said. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. That's what he's praying. He's saying, God, listen, if there is any other way. You know, sometimes we hear people, oh, there's many ways to Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. You know why we know that? Because there wasn't. Because Jesus prayed to his father, if there was any other way. And God kind of basically said, there isn't. But yet we sometimes want to believe there is. Listen, there isn't. It's one way, and it's through Jesus. We know it through scripture. We know it through his actions and through the actions of his father. 
And then listen here, Abba. Abba, if you don't know, when you go back to the original, it's, it's like Jesus is really calling God, almost like we would call someone daddy. It is an intimate term. He calls him Abba, Father. It's beautiful, the relationship that Jesus has with his Father. He cries out, listen to what he says, everything is possible for you. Please, please, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Beautiful story. Beautiful situation. And I want you to understand something that really takes place here. You see, what we're seeing is Jesus really taking what he knows and firmly planting himself in complete faith and complete trust. We'll break it down more in a minute, but I want to look at some things that Jesus does to overcome the struggle, okay? And these are some things that now we can apply to our lives. Number one, Jesus acknowledged the situation. So many of us have gotten so spiritually proud of ourselves that we think, even though we know the truth, we want everybody to believe we bought into this. Our lives are falling apart around us. Our marriages are falling apart around us. Our lives are falling around us. Our kids are falling. And people say, how are you? How are you doing? Fine, great, everything's wonderful. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to hurt. It's okay at times to be in this moment where you go, I know what God's promises are. I know he's got me. I know, but I'm just having such a hard time sitting down. Listen, there are going to be people who live their lives stuck in the middle because they refuse to admit that in all areas they haven't really bought on it. And listen, I'm not saying they're not going to be in heaven. I believe they are going to be. Remember, that's come. And they know the scripture. Some of them know the scripture backwards and forwards. But they don't sit. You see, Jesus dealt with them all the time. Their, their names were Pharisees. They heard what Jesus said. But they, very few of them ever sat down. Jesus acknowledged there was hurt. He acknowledged there was a situation. He acknowledged that there were things going on that were difficult in his life. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He acknowledged it. And some of us, the first step is we just need to understand you where we're at. Because if we'll understand that, then we can move to step number two, which is Jesus went to his father. He didn't go to his pastor. You can come to me and I'll pray for you and I'll speak over you and I'll help you in any way I can. But I'm not God. And Jesus went to his father and he prayed. And he said, you know what, God? I'm in a moment right now. I'm hurting right now. God, if there is any other way, let it pass. Let it pass. Because Jesus was dealing more with more than just the physical pain that was going to come from this. He understood the spiritual pain that crucifixion was going to have. When all of our sin, yours and mine, was heaped upon him. And the wrath of God that all of us deserve was poured out on him. 
So many times I've dealt with this, and this is a little off topic, so I'm just going to trust that this is the Lord speaking. But here's the deal. So many people walk into my office, God's punishing me. God's doing this against me because I did this or I did that. Do you realize how unbiblical that is? Because God poured out all his wrath, all his judgment, all his punishment on his son. The price has been paid. God's not punishing you because that would be unjust and God is just. The penalty has been paid. You don't have to worry about it. But Jesus goes to his father and he prays. And then look at number three. Look at number three. After he's acknowledged it, after he's prayed, God, I'm going through this. I need your help. I got to do this. Look what he says. Jesus put all his trust and faith in his father. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. One of the greatest statements of trust and faith in all of scripture is yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know what Jesus did in that moment? Boom. Not what I want, not what I think, not what I desire, but what you desire. I trust you. One of the greatest statements of faith is when you say not my will, but your will be done. Jesus plopped and he stayed. Listen, this is important. It's a long, I get that, but you need to get this. So it's in your notes. Jesus came to a point of decision in Gethsemane. It wasn't that he had not decided or consented before, but now he came upon a unique point of decision. He drank the cup at Calvary but he decided once for all to drink it at Gethsemane. The struggle of the cross was won at the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, some of us in our own lives, we think the struggle will be won at Calvary. It's not. It's decided when you sit down in the chair and say, All of my hope, all of my faith, all of my trust is in you, God. Not in what I can do, not in what I can have done, not what has been done or will be done. When we sit down and we look at God our Father and go, here am I. Whatever you have, I trust. Whatever you want to do with my life, I'm in this chair. And here's what's great. God will still speak to you in this chair just as much as he'll in that chair. You can still listen in this chair. But I'll tell you what, I know this for a fact. When you're in this chair and you have bought in to faith and trust in him, what is being said in that chair is a lot easier to take. Because now you go and God says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You're in this chair. You're like, that's right, Lord. No matter how I feel, no matter how things go in my life, I know you've got me. You go to work tomorrow, heaven forbid, and the boss calls you in and says, I'm sorry, you got two weeks, we're letting you go. I'm telling you what, it'd be real easy to jump up and start going, oh no, wait a minute. But if you've been planted in this chair, you go, you know what? My God will supply every need according, every need I have according to his riches and glory. My, my father has 10,000 cattle on 10,000 hills. You kidding me? I'm good. Is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard. 
times in our brokenness, especially with certain areas, do we kind of tend to get up again? Yeah, we probably do. But here's the thing. When we trust him, and only when we trust him, is there authentic fulfillment and joy. Only then. You see, there's not fulfillment and joy when you're stuck in the middle. And for some of you, hopefully a light bulb just popped on and you've realized, oh man, because I want that joy. I want that fulfillment. I don't understand the life that Jesus has promised me. Why don't I have it? Why don't I have that full life? Simple. For some areas in our lives, we're kind of stuck here in the middle. When God says, nah, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. We have been invited by God to come. We've been invited by God to listen. But we've also been invited by God to buy. And buy in to total faith, total trust. And the result of that purchase is fulfillment, joy, life, freedom, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things, they happen when we've bought in. You say, well, do they not happen when I'm in the middle? Oh, they do. But there is a greater fulfillment of them when we are in living in total faith and total trust in him. So I have a question for you this afternoon. Not quite this afternoon, this morning. Simple one, but one that we have to ask ourselves. Have you really put your faith and total trust in the Lord? Or do you find yourself stuck in the middle? Here's the deal. We just spent a little bit of time talking about Gideon. And man, that guy was stuck in the middle. And you know what's great about the Gideon story? We kind of mentioned it earlier. The Gideon story has a happy ending to an extent. You know, there's some other things that go on that maybe aren't so great. But in, in a lot of ways, he, he does defeat the Midians with the help of the Lord. God doesn't look at him and say, you know what, I'm just not going to use you. You know what, I just, I'm just done with you. Are you kidding me? Really, Gideon? You need another fleece? I mean, like one fleece should have been enough, don't you think? But no, no, hey, hey, how about we flip it now, God? And before we get really hypercritical of Gideon, maybe we should stop and look at our own lives and realize that in some ways we put out fleeces too. You know, it's interesting that God doesn't condemn Gideon for desiring to really listen and really understand because God desperately wants us to sit down in full trust and full faith in him. And God will do what is necessary to bring you to that place. And sometimes it'll be fleeces, and hear me here, sometimes it'll be things that are not always pleasant. But God loves us so much that he wants to bring us here. He wants to get, listen, it's, it's never good to be in the middle. You, you never want to straddle the fence. And some of you, listen, you've come, and that's awesome. God is so excited you've come. And some of you, even this week, you've, you've, you've taken on a new dimension of listening. Some of you know your scripture so well, and that's awesome. 
you know, we, we hide the, the God's word in our, on our hearts so we don't sin against him. I mean, don't, understand, don't misunderstand me. Listening is important. I mean, you, you, you can't really buy if you haven't listened. See the progression. But listen, let's just be honest. In certain areas of your life, maybe not all of them, but in certain areas, you've plopped down in the listen share you haven't moved for a long time. Or maybe you get up and you kind of walk over to the buy chair, you kind of look at it. Some of you do this. I don't know if that's as comfortable as I'd like it to be, God. And you jump up and you kind of get back in the middle. Some of us run back to the listen chair, kind of like Gideon did. God, are you sure? We'll repeat God's promises just like Gideon did. God, I know, blah, blah, blah. God, I believe, blah, blah, blah. God, you've been faithful. Never let me down. We'll sing about it. We'll talk about it. But if we're honest, we really haven't sat down. God is inviting you and me in every area of our life to totally sit down. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Listen, because you know me. I'm going to be honest with you. Remember Jesus plopped down in the chair? You know what happened after that? He was betrayed by his friend. His disciples who had just promised they would never leave him, they'd die with him, run away. He's brought in front of men who hate him, despise him, mock him, beat him. He's crucified. The sin of the world is put on him for you and me. It always amazes me that as he's on the cross, and maybe this is just my personality, maybe it's not yours, but this is my personality, and he's mocked on the cross. If you are really God's son, if you're really the Messiah, come down from the cross and we'll believe. I'm telling you right now, God forgive me. Mm. So I'm coming onto the cross, I'll just take you out. And he doesn't. He's silent in a lot of ways. He calls out not for judgment, but for forgiveness. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Total faith. Total trust. And then three days later, he rises. And he's been given the highest place and all power and all authority. He plopped down in the by chair and never got up. Now listen, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't have faith and trust in his father throughout his entire life. But I do believe that Jesus had a moment of decision. And in that, just like we do, he said, I know what God has said. Jesus knew the scriptures, folks, very well. He helped write them. but it still was a moment. You see, some of us, we need to have that moment this morning. We need to have that moment where we plop down in the chair and say, God, I'm not plopping down here because I think it's going to make it easy. I'm not plopping down here because I think now my life is going to be perfect. 
In fact, a lot of times when we sit down in that chair of total faith and total trust, some hard stuff comes. Because here's the deal. You have an enemy of your soul who will do everything he can to keep you stuck in the middle. You, listen, the enemy don't care if he, you know Scripture. The enemy knows Scripture. He doesn't care if you're stuck in the middle. But it petrifies him when there's a body of believers who sit down in that chair. Because now, things can change. And I believe very strongly that for some of us, we've been stuck in the middle for a little while. And listen, what's so beautiful about Isaiah 55 is I'm not inviting you to, do, to sit down in the chair. <laughs> it's not me. God the Father is saying, will you come down and sit here? Come on, I, I, you, you've done good at listening. You've come. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, the next step, come in here and buy. You don't need money. Everything's free. It's all been provided for you. You see, for some of us to think we got to buy it, we got to buy it ourselves. Well, I'll sit down in the chair when I'm good enough or when I do the right things enough, when I stop sitting in this area. That, then I'll, no, 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 it's all free. Come sit in the buy chair. You see, it's already been bought for you. We just got to come sit. And I know it's hard. And I know there are certain areas that are harder than others. But I believe with everything in me that what God desires to do in your heart and in your life this morning is even in those hardest, hard, hard areas to take you by the hand and say, listen, I've invited you. I've saved you a spot. Come have fulfillment. Come have joy. Come have all the things I want for you when you give it all over to me. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. I'll take care of it. You just trust me. For some of you, that's hard to do. But there is no one, and there will ever, never be anyone, who is more worthy of your faith and your trust than Jesus. Get out of the middle. And sit down. Just sit down. And let the faithfulness and the goodness and the mercy, the victory of God, be yours. Because he's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to give it all to him. So many of us, we give it away to so many things that are unworthy. And when it all hits the fan, we sit there in shock and disbelief. There's only one by chair that you should be sitting in. And hear me here, it's not your kids. It's not your spouse. It's not your job. It's not your friends. It's the Lord. His truth. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now because we acknowledge that some of us, let me rephrase that, God, I'm sorry, all of us, I truly believe all of us, 
in some way, shape, or form at times have trouble sitting in this by chair. We've heard it. We know it. We've studied it. We've listened to it. We've come. Awesome stuff. Good things. But there are areas where either we're still sitting in the listen chair or we're stuck in the middle. And God, I believe very strongly that today you have invited us to come and sit in the by chair. You've invited us. You want to take us by the hand and say, you know what? Here, come try this chair out for a while. See what kind of peace and joy and fulfillment I will give you when you sit down in this chair. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter how hard life may be, trust me, you'll find all that your soul longs for when you sit here. And so, Father, this morning, God, as we have come to you, as we've followed the pattern of Jesus, we ask that your will would be done in every situation and every circumstance. We trust your plan for us. We give over to you our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our fears, our concerns, the things that we're anxious about, the things we give you our depression, we give you overbroken lives and relationships. We give you everything over to you knowing and trusting and having faith that you will work those things out. We will claim the promise that the things that the enemy has meant for harm, you will use for our good. We'll claim that you will never leave us and you'll always be with us. That your plan and your purposes for us are good. And we will cling to those things and not be stuck in the middle. And God, if this week, when the enemy comes and desperately tries to get us up from that chair, maybe we will a little bit. Maybe we'll, we'll kind of get up, but, but your Holy Spirit, then we just ask your Holy Spirit would just come and remind us, no, 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 don't get in the middle. Sit down in the chair again. And I believe that when we sit down in the chair, great victories will come. Because it's not about what you and I can do. It's about trusting and having faith in what God can do. So God, whatever area that is, God, I pray that you would help us to sit and stay. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for, for not giving up on me when I refuse sometimes to sit down in the chair. Thank you for loving me that much. You're so good. And I know you are no respecter of persons. You'll do it for every single one of us. You have and you will continue as we become more and more like you. You're so good and we love you so much. Help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. So listen. Listen. So this week, okay, kind of challenged the last couple weeks, this week, okay, I want your focus to be on which chair you're sitting in, okay? Remember, like I said earlier, you can listen and still be in this chair, okay? So don't stop listening. Just allow your listening to be in partnership with faith and total trust in him, okay? And he'll help you in that and help you to stay in that chair and then victories will come, all right? Awesome. Listen, a couple things. Prayer this week, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Be here if you can. Have a great week. you got one week left of your fast. We can do this. I'm proud of you. We'll see you on Wednesday, and we'll see you next week.